0: You can't cross the bloodline. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's worship him tonight. Let's worship him tonight. He's worthy. He's worthy. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just worship you, God. Lord, we lift up your name, Father. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord tonight. It was even a God thing for Brother Payne to even request that song, thinking about how we have the blood of Jesus running through our veins. We've been adopted into this thing. We weren't the ones it was for. It was for the Jews, but because Jesus paid the price, we were adopted into this thing we call the kingdom of God, and now we are the children of God, and I'm ever so thankful for that. I've had some time to reflect on parenting this past few months, and and I started to think about when... Aaron was born the responsibility of being a parent. And I, and I started to think no one can be prepared to be a parent, truthfully. They can be told, they can read books, but no one really is prepared until it happens. The dirty diapers, the feeding, the teething, the crying, the sleepless nights. It's a responsibility that until it happens, it seems insurmountable, a big responsibility. And unfortunately, it's this type of responsibility that there's some, some young men and women who have made a mistake and they decide they don't want this responsibility, so they decide to have an abortion, and we can all agree that that's not a biblical thing, that's not a God thing. They decide to take the life that God has chosen to give. The word abort just simply means to fail, to cease, or to stop at an early or premature stage. And tonight I want to kind of flip the switch back and forth from the physical to the spiritual in this aspect about a topic that the Lord has laid on my heart, spiritual abortion. I believe we can all agree that physical life begins at conception, not birth, but it begins at conception. The Lord said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He said, Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Spiritual life begins at salvation. The same way a baby is born new, a baby is born that needs nurturing, that needs training, that needs caring, When we're born again, it's sort of the same thing. We need nurturing, we need caring, we need teaching, we need instruction. So at the moment of salvation, we become born again. John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said to him most assuredly, reading out of the New King James Version, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But at this time, of salvation, we call this born again. We, we use the phrase uh, newborn Christians or baby Christians. Something is planted inside our heart at salvation. Romans 12 verse 3 says that God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. A measure of faith is what we're given upon salvation. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. So when we hear the word of God that is planted in our hearts, We receive faith and it grows. You say, what does that mean, planted? Well, James 1.21 says, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So faith grows in our heart when we hear the word of God. And as a seed, it should grow. When you hear the word of God, it gets in your heart, it is planted, and faith grows. And that's what the salvation experience is about. But let me pose a question and we we use and for reference we always use this passage where the bible talks about having faith as a grain of a mustard seed and we know that the mustard seed is small and if at the point of salvation that's the size of our faith if it is the bible also makes reference to how that small seed turns into a large tree so if that's the case with the seed shouldn't our faith have grown So if at salvation, our faith is the size of a mustard seed, if you've been saved for any point of time, it should no longer be the size of a mustard seed. If that little seed grows into a big tree, how big is your faith today? But if it's not growing, what is preventing the seed of the word that has been planted in us from growing? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. This is Jesus telling the parable of the sower. In verses 18 and 19, he says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Talking about someone who has heard the word but doesn't understand it. And I'm reminded of a story in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 31. The Bible says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down to, from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. So Philip arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Canis, the queen of the Ethiopians, Who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship was returning. And the eunuch sitting in his chariot was reading Isaiah, the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Philip said to the eunuch, Do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And the rest of the story says, Philip, by the leading of the spirit, began to teach the eunuch about what he was reading, about Jesus, the lamb being led to slaughter. And the eunuch believed he was saved. He was baptized. And the Bible says Philip was called away and he disappeared. But I think what would have happened had Philip not Obey the leading of the Holy Spirit to go to this man. It would have been just like the first part of this parable of, the, uh, parable of the sower that a seed was thrown by the wayside. A person that has heard the word and doesn't understand it and no one gets to them. And just like a bird that sees, sees seed on the ground and goes and grabs it as soon as it drops to the ground. That's what the enemy does to what we would consider a newborn Christian who has just heard the word of God, has just received it, but there is no understanding. Think about how many times you've seen friends and loved ones come to the altar for the first time and be saved, and it seems like they were on fire for God, and and we no longer see them in the house of God. And it's a shame to say at times we think, well, they must not have got the real thing. Well, let me pass the buck back to us and let me ask this question. Why didn't we cultivate them? Why didn't we invest in them? Do we just assume that when someone gets saved that they're good enough to just stick him in a position to lead or just stick him in here to do this or do that. Actually, you're setting them up for failure. Think about the first time you were saved. Did you know it all? Did you have it all? Did not we have to be corrected and instructed and exhorted at the point of our salvation to know anything? Sister Marilyn was speaking uh, last Sunday night, and she said, talk about how we're supposed to provoke each other to do good. When we come together, God forgive me. We provoke each other to wrath more than we provoke each other to good, unfortunately. But we're supposed to, we're supposed to be the cultivators of the newborn Christian's heart. We're supposed to give them an opportunity to even ask questions. Uh, Pastor had sent an email a couple weeks ago about a statistic of people that come into the church that are new and what they expect and how they are received. And he said, most of the church are willing to and excited to talk to people before the service has started, but after it's over with and not a lot of people touch base with them. Well, what if these people come in and they hear the word of God, but they don't understand it just like the eunuch and they don't have enough nerve to walk up to someone and ask a question, what did you mean by that? What does that mean? Well, we need to be the Phillips of today and be led by the spirit And go to people. And it starts off in a, good to see you this this morning. Glad you were here. Just a little bit of kindness. And that opens up the door for someone to say, well, can I ask you a question? What did he mean by that? Or what does this mean? That's how God gives us the opportunity to cultivate the ground of these newborn Christians. We want helpers. We need helpers in this church. Well, we can't just expect them to come and be what they need to be. We've got to help cultivate them into what God wants them to be. Because the seed has been planted, and if we don't help cultivate it, the enemy is right outside the door. And if we don't get to him, the enemy is going to snatch the word out of their heart, and that's why you don't see him back here today. Forgive us, Lord, for not cultivating and spending time and investing time in these people that need instruction and need correction Verse twenty-one, Verses 20 and 21 says, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. I think when the Bible talks about a stony place, I believe it's talking about a ground that's full of, sort of bedrock or stony, but it's got a little bit of dirt on it. I I think back on, uh, when I look at our backyard, when the builder graded the back of our yard, he scraped all the topsoil off of the top backside of the hill. And in the spring and summer, when it's really wet and rainy, the grass grows beautifully. But come summer, when it's dry and it's hot, that patch where there's no topsoil, just a little bit, dries up and the grass dies. See, when life gets hard, they give up. There's no depth. Um, maybe they're afraid to step out because of persecution, because the scripture actually says, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, as soon as they have enough confidence to say, "Hey, they go to work and they say, "Oh, guess what? I got saved and I'm changed," and all of a sudden the people that work for them says, "You're a fool. You're all, all that wishy-washy, emotional stuff." And all of a sudden they begin to dry it because of persecution. That that's what this is talking about. In fact, in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse six, after Jesus had resurrected, after Jesus had been persecuted and then he he was killed and he was crucified and he was buried and three days later he came to life. Uh, the Bible says that after when Jesus after the resurrection Jesus came back and he revealed himself to some people. He said after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. So let's do the math. Out of 500 people, only 120 let the words of Jesus penetrate their heart. Where was the 380 people? Were they... Did they dry up and burn up because of persecution because they were afraid to stand up for this man who had just been killed? Or did they not hear the words that said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high? You see, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, we quote the scriptures that says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind. And I'll use, I've used that often When I'm afraid of the dark, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been used this scripture when I'm afraid of heights. It's deeper than that church. We're talking about persecution we're to, we, we we got these little petty things we're afraid of and the people in the in the New Testament they were their lives were at stake for preaching Jesus. We we I can stand up and freely preach Jesus and not have to worry about anything, but if but in those days you preached this and you could have had Roman centurions come in to want to kill you. So he said, "Don't be afraid." Actually, verse 8 says, "Therefore, right after this fear scripture we use, therefore don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor Paul said, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. See, the word of God grows in persecution. The word of God doesn't grow in a perfect, easy, everything's good life. I read a, I, I, I read a, uh, a study. They did a study on a tree growing outside and a tree growing in a a dome where they controlled the climate, they controlled everything about it. And this tree grew tall in this dome, in this climate, but it fell over. They couldn't figure out what was wrong, what was different. Well, they found out that the element that was missing was wind. Wind that blew against the tree outside causes the roots to grow deeper and deeper and deeper. And this tree who had it all perfect and everything was good, there was no depth in the root. So I understand that persecution and tribulation produces patience. So it's persecution and tribulation is what produces, causes us to actually grow deeper. The Word of God and our faith gets deeper. But you say, well, I just don't have that confidence and that boldness to speak the Word of God. Well, that's when I would like to inform you that you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, well... You're just Pentecostal, that's why you're saying that. No, I'm biblical because Acts 1 and 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. The power, see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just to speak, to shout, run, and speak in tongues, in which case I love to do all three of them. It's not just for that. The Bible says that you shall receive power to be witnesses. And I skipped the last part a lot. To, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the word. You're talking about all four corners. And let's take Samaria, for instance. The Samaritans were half-breed Jews, and the Jews couldn't stand them. So the Holy Spirit will give you the boldness to speak to people that you don't even like. The Holy Spirit will move you out of your comfort zone to speak to people that you aren't comfortable to witness to and give you the power to speak the word of God. So yes, we need to be saved, but yes, if you want to do anything for the Lord, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues if you want to be cultivators in this generation of the lost. Verse 22 says, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. I think of a a mother who is with child carrying a baby knowingly and still decides to do what pleases her even if it harms the baby. The Bible says in James 1 21, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So in order to receive the implanted word, we've got to lay aside filthiness. We've got to lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. There's not enough room in our sinful carnal nature for the word to grow. Think about it. When a a woman is carrying a child, her stomach grows, that baby grows inside of her. It makes room. But can I tell you, we've got to make room for the Spirit of God. We've got to make, we've got to clean some things up. We've got to live a sanctified life. We've got to let the Holy Spirit clean us up. And if you don't want that, then you are choking the Word of God. And in fact, you are aborting your calling. You are aborting your gifting. We are aborting what God is trying to grow in us if we resist and stop it from growing. God help us and forgive us. Hebrews 12:1 and 2 says, therefore, we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He started it and he's gonna finish it. He said, For the who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's now sitting down at the right hand throne of God. What has been planted in you, if you let him, he will finish the work, the calling that is on our lives, the giftings that is in our lives for God to work. It's fearful at times to say, I want the Lord to use me in this or in that, but he's the one that put it there. He's going to finish the work if we just let him have his way in our lives. We've got to make room. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing. He who has begun a work, a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ but we become selfish. We become too comfortable in what we like. Can I tell you that sin grows like thorns and chokes out the word of God? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I I have sinned. I don't willingly sin, but when I do sin, there's grace and I repent. But a person that lives in sin and, and is not care about conviction, a, comp- a person that is a compulsive sinner, a comp- person that just let me, let me say this, because what happens is we get condemned. There's a, there's a, a really, it's not a fine line, but it kind of is because there's times where the enemy would make us feel condemned for sinning as if we are, we're sinners and we're just going to, we can't help it. That's just what we're going to do. No, because remember we're born again. We're, we're, we've been made new. Old things pass away because all things have become new. So we're new creatures, We're no longer supposed to do those things. So when we come to Jesus, he gives us the strength to overcome. If we're saved by grace, not by works, then we're kept by grace and not by works. So the same power that saved you is the same power that keeps you. verse 23 says, "But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some 160 and thirty fold. I watched my wife's actions and and um, things change when she was carrying our kids. Uh, things that she used to like to eat, wasn't palatable certain smells made her sick I remember when she was carrying Asher I lit a candle or I sprayed some kind of sweet smelling air freshener and she come up front she got sick she said oh lord you got to throw it away you got to burn it you got to get it out of the house I'm going to throw up I can't take that smell anymore it changed it, it her the, the way that her senses were changed when I thought about that, the Holy Spirit said to me, when you are carrying the word, things that used to smell good to you shouldn't. Things that used to taste good to you won't taste good to you no more. In fact, the the, ways of your, the old ways ought to nauseate you. It ought to make you sick because when you're carrying the word, you're carrying life. You're carrying holiness. You're carrying Righteousness. You're carrying what God is trying to produce, the fruit of the Spirit in you. Old things pass away. What used to taste good shouldn't taste good to you anymore. Jeremiah was complaining to God that the calling upon him was more of a responsibility than what he bargained for. In Jeremiah verse 20, verses 7 through 9. The Lord would use Jeremiah to bring instruction and correction to the people, but every time that God would use Jeremiah, it wouldn't be what the people wanted to hear, and Jeremiah kind of got like, he felt like he had got the bad end of the deal on this to God. I love that if we really read this, the Old Testament prophets were real with God. They didn't always have perfect reactions to God. God still uses them. I'm so glad that we can be real with God if we're frustrated if we're aggravated and we, we don't, if we want to get up in the morning and we don't want to be a witness, we don't want to do this, all we got to do is go to God. He says, It's okay, my son. It's okay, my daughter. Just let me comfort you right here and where you are. Let me remind you. Let me remember, let, count your blessings. It's okay. Let me, let me tell you about how good I've been to you. And all of a sudden, His goodness and His love, He's not there to beat you on the back. Someone said once said that that uh, that God is not a uh, a cattle herder; He's a shepherd. He's a caretaker. He's a tender loving God. He's not a a cow herder who cracks the whip and runs dogs and chases you, makes you go here or there. He's a shepherd. He's kind. He's tender hearted. Jeremiah, chapter twenty, verses seven through nine. Jeremiah told the Lord, he said, oh, Lord, you misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I'm mocked every day. Everybody laughs at me. He said, when I speak, these words burst out. Violence and destruction, I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke, God. Look what you're doing to me. You're making a fool out of me, God. But he said, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't help it. I don't like what I'm saying, but he said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones and I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't hold it in, he said. I can't hold in the word of God when God speaks to you. When God is using you, you can't hold it in. Oh, it may make your flesh, you may feel ashamed to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. You may feel ashamed to move under the unction of the Holy Spirit. You may be ashamed to, to, to witness to someone, but when you got the Word of God inside of you, like Jeremiah said, I don't want to do it, but I can't hold it in because the Word is like fire shut up in my bones and I got to get it out. I've got to speak it. When God is birthing something inside of you, when your calling and your gifting is birthed inside of you, you can't hold it in. You've got to let it out. Because let me tell you something, that baby's going to grow. That baby's going to grow. you got to make room for it. The Word of God like fire. And that's how the Word of God should be within us. Help us not to be ashamed, but let the Word of God grow and burn in us. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45, talking about the Christmas story. Zacharias and Elizabeth had no children, and they were old in years, and they had no children. Zacharias went to the temple to do his daily work and daily duties, and the angel came to him. I love that part. We're waiting for God to do something. We still have to be doing a work for him. Zacharias hadn't given up on God. The Bible says that as he was doing his daily work, and the angel of the Lord came and spoke to him and said, You're going to have a child when you haven't seen what God has promised you, you still have to keep doing his work. You still have to get up every day, no matter what it feels like, and serve him and let that word grow and cultivate in other people's lives. So God spoke to Zacharias that Elizabeth was with child. And then the angel came to Mary and said, you will be with child. All of this was going on and within about a five or six month period. And just a little bit of time later, verse 39 says that, After the angel Gabriel had had spoken to Mary that she would be the mother of Jesus, Mary arose in those days, in verse 39, and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth, her relative. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth spake out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb and whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. She said, and blessed is she who believed for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Can I, let me tell you, let me tell you how unique this situation is. Mary, who had conceived and who was bearing Jesus, the son of the living God, the word. The book of John says how in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And it goes on to say that the word became flesh and dwelt among men. So the word was birthed inside, was conceived inside of her. When Mary came forth and she got to Elizabeth, The word got in to Elizabeth, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what Elizabeth did? Elizabeth, to my knowledge, Elizabeth didn't know anything about Mary, didn't know that she was carrying Jesus. But the Bible says that the Holy Ghost filled Elizabeth, and she began to prophesy what was happening. And Mary needed that confirmation. How about that? God was working. Mary needed that confirmation. I don't know. We're all human, and, and we can hear God. We know that God can speak a word to us, but it's good to have a family or a friend that is spirit-filled that can confirm the word, and that's that cultivation. Ain't it good to have friends and family that are is spirit-filled that, that they can confirm what God has spoke to you? You see, the, the, the word came to life, and the word touched someone else's life. When we are full of the Spirit, the Word grows faith and that faith is to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And Elizabeth prophesied and said everything that was going to happen and she spoke it and Mary was so blessed by that. The Word produces faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit, faith activates our giftings and our callings. We aren't called to just be good people. When you sign up to be in the army, there is active duty to be trained and to do something, not to do nothing. Say, well, I just want to be a comfortable Christian. Okay, let's just sit here and be comfortable Christians while there's a lost and dying world out there. Let's just, like Sister Marilyn said last Sunday, let's just be, we'll be comfortable right here in this church ministering to us just the way we are helping each other out when there's a lost and dying world that feels like that they're too far to even get into this place. We have got to be like Mary and bring the word to people. And when we, with the word and growing inside of us, when we get to people and we speak and we minister to people, the word of God is going to bless other people because of what's inside of us. It's not by our mind. It's not by our power, but it is by the spirit of the Lord that touches other people's lives. I want to ask this question to you in closing. What is God birthing in you? Maybe God has been, maybe the, maybe at the point of salvation, the seed of faith that has been planted in you, God spoke to you on what you were called to do and what you were called to be, but you decided that that's not what you want to do. The word, your faith, your calling and gifting to further the kingdom you would come on. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 6-7, therefore I remind you, this is, this is I, I love when you understand what the background and the context of this whole passage, Paul was instructing Timothy he was cultivating this, this man, Timothy, so that, so that the seed of the word would be, would be able to penetrate in this young man and would be able to grow in him. Paul, and Paul told him the truth. He said, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And once again, Timothy was afraid because of persecution to let the gifts work through him. He was afraid because he was, well, let's just say nowadays we may be ashamed to preach Jesus. We may be ashamed, but can I tell you, we've got to stir up the gifts that are within us. We've got to be cultivated by the power of the Word. We've got to help each other. We've got to be strengthened for each other. We've got to exhort each other to stir up the gift of God which is in us. Don't be afraid of what God is growing inside of you. Don't be afraid of what God is birthing inside of you. It, It will always be bigger than you. I'm not going to say that it's going to be, it won't be bigger than you. It will be everything that God decides to use in us or to do through us. It will always be insurmountable. It will always be bigger because like I said earlier, it's not our power working in the first place. We're just vessels of honor for God and it's his spirit that works his will through us. It will always be bigger. That's why we can't do it ourselves. But see, the devil trips us up and we feel condemned that we're not good enough. You, When he tells you that, you ought to laugh and say, you're right, I'm not good enough. But my righteousness is like a filthy rags. But it's okay because I've borrowed a robe of righteousness from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's made me available. He's made me ready. He's made me right before his eyes. It's the blood of Jesus that has washed me. It made me right. So you know what? Ha ha, you're right. I'm not good enough. But I've been made good through the blood of Jesus. We've been made righteous. We've been made righteous through the blood of the Lamb. We've been made worthy through the blood of the Lamb. Just don't take for granted the price he paid wasn't just for us to get to heaven. It was for us to live the victorious life, to live the abundant life, to do what he did. Everything that he did, we can do. But if we're not doing it, what in our lives is choking the word out what what's happening are we afraid to step out lord if you'd have if you would have told me 10 or 15 years ago that i would be standing up here ministering like this i would have said no i would have been I'd have been terrified. I'm telling you, when I was a kid people were telling me you're going to be a minister, I would cry. It would be terrified. I would be scared to death because I knew the weight of the responsibility to minister the word. It's it's a heavy thing. But when I was when I became filled with the Holy Spirit, the boldness of the Holy Spirit changed everything for me. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. It's his power working in us to make good. Philippians chapter one, verse six says this, being confident of this very thing. Say this with me. Say, being confident in this very thing. He who has begun a good work in me Will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Say He will complete in me what He has started. Would you stand tonight? I just want to give us a, some time here at the altars to pray and just to meditate. But just let me let me challenge you with just just. with just this statement. Don't abort your calling. Don't abort your gifting because it don't feel good. Don't abort the word and the faith that God has planted in you just because you feel like you just can't do it. Because every time you feel like you can't, Like a single mother who has got the whole world against her and she has nowhere to turn, no family and no one to give her sound wisdom. And all of a sudden, someone full of the Holy Spirit says, come here, my daughter, let me help you. Let me strengthen. You keep that baby inside of you. You birth that baby because that child's going to grow up and serve the Lord. Because what the enemy meant for harm, God can turn things around for the good. Can I tell you, you may not have no one to encourage you because you feel this gifting inside of you, that it's insurmountable, that's beyond what you can do. Let me encourage you tonight. Let the word of God cultivate in you that you can. Don't give it up because you feel like you can't do it. It isn't your power in the first place. And for the, for the fact of that, it, he is made strong in your weakness. We've got it all backwards. When we feel weak, we ought to feel strong because when you feel strong in yourself, God can't be in that. But when you feel weak to do what God's called you to do, you're, you've, you've opened your spirit wide open for God to come in and move. Don't abort what God is trying to do in your life. Amen. Let's come and pray.